Welcome to this week's sermon from Spark. We are a community who believes we are deeply loved by God and seek to welcome, support, love, and serve every person we meet. We hope this message has something for you today. So we've been going through our sermon series called Confessions, where we've been confessing that we don't really understand everything there is to understand about God and faith and church and all that. And we also, after our conversations, have kind of come to understand maybe what we do believe. And so we can confess the things that we do believe as well. So you've, we've asked some good questions. You guys have, have been the ones that helped us to come up with these questions. The first question we asked was, how do we know all this is real, right? How do we know that faith, God, church, all of it is a real thing? The second one that we asked was, who is God? Like for real, who is God? And today we're going to ask a question that as a pastor, I get all the time. And it's a question that people have wrestled with for all of time, have wondered. Ever since we've come to understand that there's a God, we've asked this question. And so the question is, why does God allow suffering? And another way that a lot of people ask this is, why does God let good, bad things happen to good people, right? If God is this all-powerful God who we talk about can do anything, then why does God not stop bad things from happening in the world? And in the way of these things, if you went to school for theology, if you went to seminary, you'd know that a lot of times we answer questions with more questions, which is frustrating, but that's just kind of the way it works. So I have two questions that I want us to think about in response to this one, okay, to start with. Are you ready? Yes. I need some. Are you ready? Put your thinking caps on. You ready to dig deep? All right. So the first question we're going to think about is where does suffering come from? Like, what is it exactly? So we're going to talk about, like, why does God allow this to happen? we got to kind of understand what suffering is and where it comes from. So to do that, I've created this little Lego world, okay? So imagine that this is the world that God created, okay? Um, and if you were here for Lego Church, um, you might recognize some of these figures. Miss Betty's hanging out at her house. Mr. Blake is standing over here in front of a music store playing his guitar, I'm about to slide down the slide at the playground because that sounds fun to me. Um, so we've got our little Lego world with our playground and our houses, and there's a store, and this is like the auto shop with the gas station, okay, and a little car. So we've got our whole little world. So we imagine that God created the whole world at the beginning of time, right? Start of Genesis. God made everything. And when God created the whole world and God created human beings, God said that we were very good. Amen? We're good. And when God made us, God made us in a very unique kind of way. God gave us free will and choice. All right? So what does that mean? That means that instead of creating a bunch of little Lego people who only do what God says to do, these little Lego people can move around and do as they choose. Right? They can go play on the merry-go-round, they can ride in their car, they can go to the gas station and get more gas, they can go to the store. So the Lego people can move around and make choices all on their own. And why would God make people that way? 
as a test? Okay. So as a test to see if they'll choose good things. Any other ideas? God made us with choice because have you ever um, had a bad hug? You know what I'm talking about? The hug that's just like the, the awkward like pat on the back. Like no one's actually like embracing you. They're just kind of like doing that like trying to be nice, but it's not really nice. It's actually really like... If you're not, if you're gonna give me a hug like that, just don't, right? Like, it's just a little pat on the back versus like the type of hug that makes you feel embraced and safe and loved and warm and cared for and like there's love that's being shared when you give each other a hug, right? You know the difference between those two things? Um, what about if somebody apologizes to you only because um, Miss Miriam says to? How, what kind of quality apology is that usually? It's really not a good one, right? They're usually like, I'm sorry that I called you a doo-doo head, but I'm really not because I'm mad at you, right? So it's, it, there's no like, actual meaning behind it, right? Versus someone who comes up to you and says, I'm really sorry that I called you a name, and I, I'm going to work to not do that again, right? Two different things. That's the same reason why God gave us free will, because God didn't want those like awkward hugs, and God didn't want apologies that people didn't really mean. God wanted us to choose to be in relationship with God, right? Because God could have made a whole bunch of little human being creatures that just bowed down and worshiped God and, you know, and that was that. But it wouldn't mean the same thing if the people didn't choose to worship God. Does that make sense? Right? It means a lot more when people choose us. It makes us feel loved. And so God created us to have this free will and this choice. And what happened was there's kind of a side effect of this, right? So God made it because, us this way because God wanted us to choose to be in relationship with God, to love God. But by giving us choice, we could choose not to, right? And that was a risk God was willing to take. And also, we could choose to do things that were hurtful and harmful, right? So like the very beginning, what was the choice that Adam and Eve made that kind of messed everything up? They ate the fruit from the tree they were told not to. Because God didn't put like a magical force field over the, the tree and say like, don't eat from that one and don't worry, there's, you can't anyway because you can't get to it. No, God allowed them to have the opportunity to should they choose to. And the snake convinced them to do that. So then sin entered the world. And really, sin is a cause of a lot of the suffering that happens between human beings, right? When we have broken relationships, when people cause wars, when people fight with one another, when we cause harm to each other, it's because of sin. And it might, not, it might be our sin, like I might make choices, that are hurtful to a person around me, but it also might be that there are other people making choices and then I am impacted by their choices, right? So like as kids, you all could be impacted by the choices of the adults in your life, right? Because you don't have as much control over you know, where you live in and who's paying the bills and all that kind of stuff, right? And so we could have, be impacted and we could suffer because of the decisions of other people. And then there's this other part of suffering that happens kind of outside of people and their choices, right? Like 
no one causes a hurricane or a tsunami, right? There might be some things that we're learning now about climate change that are impacting those things, right? But on the whole, like, nobody's like, hmm, I'm going to just go take my boat and spin it in circles a bunch of times in the ocean and make a hurricane. Like, that's not how it works, right? And, but so there's these natural disasters that also cause people to suffer. Another example of that would be something like cancer. Nobody causes cancer, in the way that like nobody's like, okay, cells, like let's mutate in this weird way so that this person gets sick, right? And the person who gets cancer, it's not like that they're a sinner in the way that like that's their consequence for that. No, it's just a natural thing that happens that we don't understand and it's a consequence of being in this world that is broken, right? So that's where suffering can kind of come from. Does everyone understand? There can be some things that are more natural causes and then there's other things that like are direct result of us. And it's important for us to understand that because then when we experience suffering in our life, we might be able to be like, okay, I am hurting. Why am I hurting? Well, I'm hurting because there's this thing that's happening in the world that we can't really control. Or I'm hurting because that person said that thing to me and I'm hurting because of it. Or that person made that decision. Or I made that decision and now I'm suffering from it. Does that make sense? Okay. And that's helpful for us to know because then the second question that we come to when we ask why does God allow suffering is, okay, how involved is God in the world? Okay, so if God made this beautiful Lego creation that is the world, is God moving my little car on my way to the children's home this morning and saying, oop, there's going to be a car that's broke down on the side of the road, so you better make sure that you get over and you might be late. Is God like, hmm, let's see, let's break down this car, and then Pastor Marilyn's going to drive by it, and then she's going to be late to work. Is God doing that? How do we understand how much God is playing with the creation that God has made? And there's been different ways that people have understood this over time. And different groups of people in different churches have kind of different understandings of how this is. So I'm going to talk about three ways of looking at it. And so I'm not going to tell you, like, what's the way to believe, but I want to give you the options. Like I've said before, I want you to be people who come to this belief on your own, all right? So the first option is called predestination. Say that with me. Predestination. What does pre mean in a word? Before, right? Predestined. Decided before, right? So there's some people who would say, God made everything, and God understands the whole course of history from now until whenever it ends. And God can see all of that. And God knows that when I wake up in the morning, I'm going to make my coffee and I'm going to accidentally spill it on my pants and then I'm going to be mad and it's going to like ruin the rest of my day. And then God knows that I'm going to be grumpy and I'm going to go to work and I'm going to yell at Mr. Blake. And then Mr. Blake's going to be mad because I yelled at him and he's going to um, take it out I'm Miss Betty, and this Betty is going to come to youth group and be mad and be mad at all of you. And then, you see what I'm saying? That God knows that all that's going to happen ahead of time and that there's not really a whole lot we can do about it, right? Or God has created a path for us to walk, and we can kind of choose to be on it or off of it, but there's really only one path that we're predestined to walk. That's predestination. So God's kind of really super-duper involved and already knows everything that's going to happen. And a lot of people find comfort in that, right? That God already knows, and that's a good thing. The part where it becomes challenging is if God already knows, then why didn't God fix it, 
right? Especially if God already knew that um, these little kids playing on the teeter-totter were going to break off the teeter-totter and break their arms. Why didn't God use God's magic and, like, keep the teeter-totter from breaking, right? So that's one of the questions that we ask when, when people believe that God is kind of working through every little detail of our lives, sometimes that breaks down and it causes people to question who God is, right? So the other way of looking at this would be that like God made all this beautiful stuff. God said, that's good. And then God was like, "Mm, y'all have fun. And God isn't involved at all. And God just kind of sits there and lets the earth do whatever it does. And then maybe if people ask for something, God might be like, hmm. No, right? So that's another way that people think about it, that God made everything and then just God's kind of hands off. And I think a lot of times people think that about God when they're in pain and they are wondering where God is in their life. And then the other way we could think about it is God made all of this and we have free will and free choice. So we're like these little people moving around. So we're moving around all on our own. And God's watching it happen. And then when we fall off the teeter-totter and break our arms, God is like, well, you're going to have a broken arm. But when you have your broken arm and you're in your cast, you're going to um, learn how to draw with your other hand because you can't really do a bunch of other things at the moment. And then you might discover that you have a talent for drawing never knew you had it, and you wouldn't have known you had it if you hadn't been stuck sitting at home recovering from your broken arm. Does that make sense? God doesn't cause the teeter-totter to break, but God can take that broken teeter-totter and make something good happen out of it. Does that make sense? Are you, are you following me a little bit? Okay, just making sure. So how we think about how God is involved in the world helps us understand how we answer this question. Why does God allow suffering? Right? Because sometimes when suffering happens, when we're in pain, we look up to God and are like, where are you? Why aren't you doing anything about this? And the reality is, is because God gave us free will, right? So God's not going to come down and like manipulate people. And so we've got to understand where is the suffering coming from? What is God doing? How do those things go together? Right? And so that's why thinking people, this is hard. Like, this is why this question is always something that comes up, because there's so many different ways of thinking about it and and understanding it. And so I want us to think about four truths about God. And these are four truths that we can learn from Scripture, from our experience, and from what the church has taught us. Remember how when we've gone through some of these questions, we've talked about Scripture and tradition and experience? Yeah, so we're going to kind of do that for a second. Four truths. The first truth is that God sees us. God sees us. God is not the God that's turned around ignoring everything that's happening in the world. God sees what's happening in the world. And we know this because in Scripture, there's all these different stories of God intervening. And my favorite story is the story of Hagar. Hagar was the servant of Sarah. Sarah was the wife of Abraham. So Abraham and Sarah at the very beginning of the Bible... And God promises Abraham and Sarah that they're going to have all these descendants. Well, Sarah isn't able to have babies right away, and so she's very upset about that. And so they decide that 
Hagar, their servant girl, is going to have their kids for them. And so they do all of that. And then afterwards, Sarah is able to have her own child. And then she starts abusing Hagar because she is afraid that Hagar's son is going to like be the heir kind of thing. There's like all this family drama. Let's just sum it up like that. There's family drama, and Sarah takes it out on Hagar and abuses Hagar. And Hagar runs away into the desert because she's like, I'm not putting up with that. And she takes her baby with her. And while she's in the desert, she's terrified that she's going to die because there's no food and water in the desert. And she has no place to go and no people to go to. And while she's in the desert, God speaks to her. And she names God. She's the first person in the Bible to name God. And she says, you are Elroy, the God who sees. And so this woman who's experiencing abuse is in the desert, and she hears from God, and she calls God the God who sees. And so for us, when we're in the desert and we're suffering, we can cling to that promise and that hope and that understanding that God sees us when we're suffering. The second truth is that God suffers with us. God's not looking down at this Lego creation and saying, you know what would be real fun? Things haven't been exciting down here in a while, so I'm just going to, how about a pandemic? That sounds great, right? This sounds like a fun time. No, God doesn't delight in suffering. God's not like, this sounds like an exciting thing. It's not like a reality TV show where the drama and all of that is like what you watch it for. No, God is not about that. God doesn't cause that. God sees these things happen in our world and God suffers with us. They pain God the way that they pain us. And we know that because when Jesus came to earth, Jesus lost his best friend and and experienced grief. Jesus saw people who were sick and in need of healing and Jesus healed them. Jesus died on the cross in a brutal way. God knows what that means to suffer. And then God the Father who sent his son grieved the death of his son, right? Knows what it's like to lose a child. So God looks down at the suffering of the world and understands what that's like. And God doesn't find any joy in that. God suffers with us. And the third truth is that God does alleviate suffering. God does healing work all the time. And we know that because when Jesus was on earth, he walked around and he healed lots and lots of people. He had compassion for them. He saw them where they were and he healed them and he made them well. We know that because when we just did our whole sermon series on Daniel, right, we saw how God protected Daniel and spared him and his friends' lives over and over again. So God does alleviate suffering. God does bring healing. That is true. And when Jesus died on the cross, one of the ways that God alleviated that suffering was by Jesus coming back to life, right? And that resurrection brings us hope that our suffering is not the last thing, that we have hope of life forever and eternity. And I know some of you are sitting here and you're listening to this and you're like, Pastor Madeline, that all sounds real nice. But where was God when I needed God? 
Maybe there's a time in your life where you were suffering, and you're like, why didn't God prevent that from happening or alleviate that suffering? Sounds real nice from the Bible times, but like, where's God right now? And the only answer I can give you is our fourth truth, that God makes beauty out of suffering. That if God doesn't, you know, sometimes God does, sometimes God doesn't. I don't know the mystery of that, right? I'm not God. But, you know, if God, if you're going to get in the car accident and you survive, God can make something beautiful out of that, right? We might wish that God would somehow literally take the wheel and keep us from getting in the accident. And we can't understand the mystery of God's intervention or not intervention. But we do know that when there is suffering, God makes beautiful things happen out of that. And we know it because of the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus comes back to life. We know it because we can hear testimonies from people of faith who have shared, you know, I had this really tough time in my life, but God has brought me here and brought me healing and brought me hope and promised me a new life. God's always working things together for our good. And just like when we just sang, we, sometimes we don't see it happening, right? Even when we don't see it, God is working. So God's like behind the scenes of the Lego world, working things together. God's responding to the things that are going on in our world that are terrible and horrible and painful. And God is constantly creating and thinking, how can I take this and make something beautiful out of it? Something good. And you know, God is doing that work, but God also needs our help too. You know, that's where that free will thing comes in. You know, sometimes people are like, I'm suffering and things in my life are terrible and I just wish God would fix it. And they sit and they wait, which is okay, sit and wait. But what are you doing? What are you contributing to your healing, right? That doesn't mean that we don't wait on the Lord. Yes, we wait for God to, to help. But also, if I'm the one that called somebody a name and I'm seeing that they're upset by that, I should be the one to go and apologize because I was the one that did that, right? Why am I looking at God like, yeah, you got to make him feel better? No, I did the thing that caused the pain. So I should apologize. If I look out into the world and I see people that are hungry, and I've got some extra food, and I've got the ability to feed people, I should do something about it. I don't just need to be like, yeah, God, rain down some manna from heaven. You've done it before, which is great, but maybe we're the manna from heaven. Maybe we're the ones that God needs to do this work. Right? God needs our help in the healing process, too. And that's for our own lives. That's for the lives of other people. So maybe part of your, your role in this is to go to therapy. Maybe your role is to study for the test. Maybe your role is to new, learn a new skill. Maybe your role is to apologize or to forgive or to ask for help. So today we can ask ourselves, why does God allow suffering? And we kind of sit with the mystery of that and we can think about all these different things that we've talked about. We can understand that God sees us, that God suffers with us, that God wants to heal us, that God is making beautiful things happen even when we can't see them. But also we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing? What is our role in all of this? And how can we ask 
for God's help to help heal the world. Because if we're going to build the kingdom of God here on earth the way that we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, God needs our help. Jesus started it. He gathered his disciples together and he said, okay, you guys go out and keep doing this thing and find more people. And then they found more people who found more people who found more people who found more people who found you. And here you are. And now it's your turn to do the work and to find the people so that it can keep happening and so that this earth can look more and more like God originally created it to be. We can't just sit around and expect for it to happen and fall from the sky. We've got to be part of the kingdom builders that Jesus started. Amen? So we're going to have communion this morning. And when we have communion, we remember that Jesus gathered with his disciples, this people that got it right, didn't get it right, were the first people to kind of join with him in this work of alleviating the suffering of the world. And he offered them bread and juice but in a new kind of way. He said, this is my body and this is my blood, which is broken for you. So he gave of himself to his disciples so that they would be able to go and to serve the world. And so I like to think of communion sometimes as bread for the journey, right? We all need food to keep going. We all need strength to be able to keep making through our lives. And a communion is a way that we nourish ourselves and remind ourselves of who Jesus was and what he did for us so that we can continue to help build God's kingdom here on earth. So we're gonna have a communion. Miss Betty's gonna pass out. Um, we're doing this a different kind of way. So if you've done communion before, um, bear with us, it's gonna be a little new. And I would like to say that here at the children's home, we recognize that the table of God is God's table. It's not the United Methodist table. It's not the children's home table. It's not Pastor Madeline's table. It is the table of God. And so all of God's children are welcome to take communion if they understand and want to encounter God. They understand Jesus is their savior and they want to encounter God. And so you can take communion and we're gonna bless it in a minute, but you're about to get an individual cup that looks like this. And on the top, there's like a little round thing. That's your bread. It's a little wafer and then you have the juice underneath. So let's go ahead and pray over this bread and juice that we're about to receive. And then I will show you how to eat it because there's steps on how to get it out, all right? So let's pray for these elements they're about to receive. God, we give you thanks for the gift of your presence here with us. God, we give you thanks that we do not suffer alone, but God, that you are with us and you are able to make beautiful things out of what feels broken. God, we pray that these gifts of bread and juice would become for us the body and blood of Christ, that we, by your Holy Spirit, might feel your presence here. Make us one with each other so that we can become your body to serve the world to alleviate suffering. We ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about our ministry, follow the link in the description below. Peace be with you. And